Welcome to Bandcamp. My name's Jennifer. And I'm Dan, and this is the podcast where we read banned books to try and figure out why in the heck they were banned in the first place. So today is episode one of book number two, also known as season two of Bandcamp. We're doing Ray Bradbury's Fahrenheit 451. Do you have any knowledge of this book? I honestly don't know much at all. Do you? I don't know anything about this book. I, I've heard things about it, like 451 Fahrenheit is the temperature at which paper burns. So I made an assumption that it's about burning yeah. books. So does that mean, and this might be totally off brand for us, but if I were to go get, just give me a random governor. Okay, Ron DeSantis, sure. If I go get Ron DeSantis's book and put it in my oven on a cookie sheet, <laughs> 451, do you, first of all, do you preheat? I'd preheat. Uh, just put it straight onto broil. <laughs> Should oh, be want, hot enough. <laughs> I want to put it on a cookie sheet, set the oven for 451, and somehow set up a camera to see if at 451, if it starts a fire. Uh, I'd love to do that and put it on our Instagram, but that would involve paying a royalty to DeSanctimonious. It's, it's a problem. The problem with Ron DeSanctimonious is that he needs a personality transplant, and those are not yet available. I'm sure I could find an old Rush Limbaugh in my dad's library. <laughs> that way there's no exchange of money. That should be our plan. We want to take a Rush Limbaugh book and put it in the oven. I will set it at 451. We'll see if it starts fire. This is more of a science-based experiment. Right. I never want to ban anyone's words, especially an American great like Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> when women got the right to vote, when it all went downhill. All right. That should be something we're going to maybe work on. Okay. I do not know anything about the book other than it's dystopian, uh, which seems not too different from where we're living right now. <laughs> We're on the verge, on the cusp of a dystopian society. It's like I say, we, we go either way. We yeah. could go straight to hell or we can form a more perfect union. I'm not yeah. sure which way it's going to go. All right. I saw a piece of trivia that I learned about Fahrenheit 451. I know that he rented a typewriter mm -hmm. to write this book in the basement of the UCLA library. Oh, prime writing conditions. And he paid 10 cents per half hour. And I he love wrote it. it in nine days. That's amazing. I love that factoid. All right. So we're just a couple of people who've never read this book. And the way yeah. this works is I'm going to read the book out loud. And Dan and I will comment on it as we go, trying to get to the meat of the matter. Why is this a banned book? Is there a quote like in the uh, To Kill a Mockingbird? That started yeah, with a quote. This one has a quote. It says, if they give you ruled paper, write the other way. By Juan Ramon Jimenez. Not sure who that is. I know he sounds like a loose cannon, though. <laughs> He's a rule breaker. I don't know if this is chapter one or part one. It just says one, the hearth and the salamander. So with that being said, let's begin. It was a pleasure to burn. It was a special pleasure to see things eaten to see things blackened and changed, with the brass nozzle in his fists, with this great python spitting its venomous kerosene upon the world, 
The blood pounded in his head, and his hands were the hands of some amazing conductor playing all the symphonies of blazing and burning to bring down the tatters and charcoal runes of history. Well, that's a big way to start. <laughs> I love it. It's like a punch in the face. <laughs> With his symbolic helmet numbered 451 on his stolid head, and his eyes all orange flame with the thought of what came next. He flicked the igniter and the house jumped up in a gorging fire that burned the evening sky red and yellow and black. He strode in a swarm of fireflies. He wanted above all, like the old joke, to shove a marshmallow on a stick in the furnace, while the flapping pigeon-winged books died on the porch and lawn of the house. Remember that old joke, Dan? Classic about the marshmallow in the furnace. While the books went up in sparkling whirls and blew away on a wind turned dark with burning, Montag grinned the fierce grin of all men singed and driven back by flame. He knew that when he returned to the firehouse, he might wink at himself, a minstrel man, burnt corked in the mirror. Later, going to sleep, he would feel the fiery smile still gripped by his face muscles in the dark. It never went away, that smile. It never, ever went away, as long as he remembered. Pretty creepy image there. Creepy, there, I was going to say that. And there's a little break in the page, but I don't like the idea of a, a creepy, gripped smile in the dark. He hung up his black beetle-colored helmet and shined it. He hung his flame-proof jacket neatly. He showered luxuriously, and then, whistling, hands in pockets, walked across the upper floor of the fire station and fell down the hole. At the last moment, when disaster seemed positive, he pulled his hands from his pockets and broke his fall by grasping the golden pole. Wow, that's fast reflexes. <laughs> I wouldn't, I'd be dead. Do you ever see in the beginning of Dick Van Dyke show when he comes in and you'd see where like he'd trip over the ottoman. He did that the first couple seasons. But then I think in the third season, instead of tripping when you're expecting him, he stopped and he did his tie and he did a little sidestep. <laughs> I, I missed that. This is Montague. He <laughs> falls down the hole, but then at the last minute, gives himself a wink, slides down. Dapper. <laughs> he slid to a squeaking halt, the heels one inch from the concrete floor downstairs. He walked out of the fire station and along the midnight street toward the subway, where the silent air-propelled train slid soundlessly down its lubricated flue in the earth and let him out with a great puff of warm air onto the cream-tiled escalator rising to the suburb. Whew! <laughs> That's a long one-sentence paragraph. <laughs> Very proud of myself for doing that. Whistling, he let the escalator waft him into the still night air. He walked toward the corner thinking little at all about nothing in particular. Before he reached the corner, however, he slowed as if a wind had sprung up from nowhere, as if someone had called his name. The last few nights he had had the most uncertain feelings about the sidewalk just around the corner here, moving in the starlight toward his house. He had felt that a moment prior to his making the turn, someone had been there. The air seemed charged with a special calm as if someone had waited there, quietly, and only for a moment before he came, simply turned to a shadow and let him through. It's a little spooky. He can sense someone there in the dark. Perhaps his nose detected a faint perfume. Perhaps the skin on the backs of his hands, on his face, felt the temperature rise at this one spot where a person standing might 
raised the immediate atmosphere 10 degrees for an instant. There was no understanding it. Each time he made the turn, he saw only the white, unused, buckling sidewalk, with perhaps on one night, something vanishing swiftly across the lawn before he could focus his eyes or speak. What, who do you think it is, Boo Radley? <laughs> but now tonight, he slowed almost to a stop. His inner mind, reaching out to turn the corner for him, had heard the faintest whisper. Breathing? Or was the atmosphere compressed merely by someone standing very quietly there, waiting? He turned the corner. The autumn leaves blew over the moonlit pavement in such a way as to make the girl who was moving there seem fixed to a sliding walk, letting the motion of the wind and the leaves carry her forward. Her head was half bent to watch her shoes stir the circling leaves. Her face was slender and milk white, and in it was a kind of gentle hunger that touched over everything with tireless curiosity. It was a look, almost, of pale surprise. The dark eyes were so fixed to the world that no move escaped them. Her dress was white, and it whispered. He almost thought he heard the motion of her hands as she walked, and the infinitely small sound now, the white stir of her face turning when she discovered she was a moment away from a man who stood in the middle of the pavement waiting. The trees overhead made a great sound of letting down their dry rain. This sounds actually really nice. I'd like to be out there in the middle of the night with all this stuff going yeah, on. <laughs> it does sound nice. I mean, a little spooky, but I, I like that sort of thing. What do you think? I want to cut you off so far because coming off of Harper Lee's writing style, this seems really descriptive. Yeah, very, very much so. I mean, I can almost sense everything that's happening with my senses. Is it so far harder to read or easier to read than Harper Lee? It's it's hard to read out loud. If I was reading this to myself, it, it'd be wonderful. It, it's hard to read out loud because there's a lot of sentences that have no commas and they're like three or four lines. What are the chances of there being apostrophe D's in here? <laughs> Zero, I bet. <laughs> Zero. It's not from Alabama, I think. It's probably Indeed. set. <laughs> he turned, probably... And I turned the corner. Ida, what are you doing here, sir? <laughs> what does id mean? The girl stopped and looked as if she might pull back in surprise, but instead stood regarding Montag with eyes so dark and shining and alive that he felt he had said something quite wonderful. But he knew his mouth had only moved to say hello. And then when she seemed hypnotized by the salamander on his arm and the phoenix disc on his chest, he spoke again. Of course, he said, you're our new neighbor, aren't you? And you must be, she raised her eyes from his professional symbols, the fireman, her voice trailed off. How oddly you say that. I'd, I'd have known it with my eyes shut, she said slowly. What, the smell of kerosene? My wife always complains, he laughed. You never wash it off completely. No, you don't, she said in awe. He felt she was walking in a circle about him turning him end for end, shaking him quietly and emptying his pockets without once moving herself. Kerosene, he said, because the silence had lengthened, is nothing but perfume to me. Does it seem like that, really? Of course, why not? She gave herself time to think of it. I don't know. She turned her face to the sidewalk going toward their homes. Do you mind if I walk back with you? I'm Clarice McClellan. Clarice, Guy Montag, come along. What are you doing out so late wandering around? How old are you? 
They walked in the warm, cool, glowing night on the silvered pavement, and there was the faintest breath of fresh apricots and strawberries in the air, and he looked around and realized this was quite impossible so late in the year. There was only the girl walking with him now, her face bright as snow in the moonlight, and he knew she was working his questions around, seeking the best answers she could possibly give. And so she seemed thoughtful. Well, she said, I'm 17 and I'm crazy. My uncle says the two always go together. When people ask your age, he said, always say 17 and insane. Isn't this a nice time of night to walk? I like to smell things and look at things and sometimes stay up all night, walking and watch the sunrise. I like her. A girl okay. after my own heart. Were you, when you were 17, are you a little uh, cuckoo, little nutty? <laughs> Absolutely. They walked on in silence, and finally she said, thoughtfully, You know, I'm not afraid of you at all. He was surprised. Why should you be? So many people are. Afraid of firemen, I mean. But you're just a man, after all. He saw himself in her eyes, suspended in two shining drops of bright water, himself dark and tiny, in fine detail, the lines about his mouth, everything there, as if her eyes were two miraculous bits of violet amber that might capture and hold him intact. I feel like you are going to lose 10 pounds per chapter. <laughs> it's like you're really burning calories because I'm just kind of reading along in my book. But to say this, these sentences out loud, it seems like work. It's a little bit of work. Worth it, though. I'm enjoying it so far. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Her face turned to him now was fragile milk crystal with a soft and constant light in it. It was not the hysterical light of electricity, but what? But the strangely comfortable and rare and gently flattering light of the candle. One time as a child in a power failure, his mother had found and lit a last candle and there had been a brief hour of rediscovery of such illumination that space lost its vast dimensions and drew comfortably around them. And they, mother and son, alone, transformed, hoping that the power might not come on again too soon. God, he is a good writer. I love that. Yeah, kind of getting back to the basics. No electricity, no nothing, just And all you can see light. is just this little bit in front of you, and you can really focus on the things that are right in front of you. Then you yeah. move that candle just a little bit. Now here's some more stuff to focus on. It's really neat. And then Clarice McClellan said... Do you mind if I ask how long you've worked at being a fireman? Since I was 20, 10 years ago. Do you ever read any of the books you burn? He laughed. That's against the law. Oh, of course. It's fine work. Monday burn Malay, Wednesday Whitman, Friday Faulkner. Burn them to ashes, then burn the ashes. That's our official slogan. They walked still further and the girl said, is it true that long ago firemen put fires out instead of going to start them? No, houses have always been fireproof. Take my word for it. Strange, I heard once that a long time ago, houses used to burn by accident and they needed firemen to stop the flames. He laughed. She glanced quickly over. Why are you laughing? I don't know. He started to laugh again and stopped. Why? You laugh when I haven't been funny, and you answer right off. You never stop to think what I've asked you. He stopped walking. You are an odd one, he said, looking at her. Haven't you any respect? I don't mean to be insulting. 
It's just I love to watch people too much, I guess. Well, doesn't this mean anything to you? He tapped the numerals four or five once, stitched on his char-colored sleeve. Oh, so he's got a little ego trip going on. Apparently, the firemen must be high up in the ranks there in, yeah. in society. Yes, she whispered. She increased her pace. Have you ever watched the jet cars racing on the boulevards down that way? You've changed the subject. I sometimes think drivers don't know what grass is or flowers because they never see them slowly, she said. If you showed a driver a green blur, oh yes, he'd say, that's grass. And a pink blur? That's a rose garden. White blurs are houses. Brown blurs are cows. My uncle drove slowly on a highway once. He drove 40 miles an hour and they jailed him for two days. Isn't that funny and sad too? You think too many things, said Montag uneasily. <laughs> Montag doesn't like to sweat the deeps. <laughs> Made him uneasy. He's like, uh. <laughs> I rarely watch the parlor walls, that's in quotes, or go to races or fun parks. So I have lots of time for crazy thoughts, I guess. What are have parlor you... walls, I wonder? I don't know. I don't know what races or fun parks are, but apparently that's what people do in the future. In the year 2000. <laughs> in the year 2000. So I have lots of time for crazy thoughts, I guess. Have you seen the 200-foot-long billboards in the country beyond town? Did you know that once billboards were only 20 feet long? But cars started rushing by so quickly, they had to stretch the advertising out so it would last. Oh, my God. That is so... I can totally see that happening. Yeah. Because it's all about marketing and advertising. And wait, people are driving by the McDonald's buy one, get one free burger offer too fast. Let's make it a bigger billboard. <laughs> I didn't know that, Montag laughed abruptly. But I know something else you don't. There's dew on the grass in the morning. He suddenly couldn't remember if he had known this or not. And it made him quite irritable. And if you look, she nodded at the sky, there's a man in the moon. He hadn't looked for a long time. They walked the rest of the way in silence, hers thoughtful, his a kind of clenching and uncomfortable silence in which he shot her accusing glances. He hates having to think. Boy. It's like, don't, don't question anything. Stop. Shut up. <laughs> don't make my brain think. When they reached her house, all its lights were blazing. What's going on? Montag had rarely seen that many house lights. Oh. Just my mother and father and uncle sitting around, talking. It's like being a pedestrian, only rarer. My uncle was arrested another time. Did I tell you? For being a pedestrian. Oh, we're most peculiar. So people don't talk? People don't sit around and talk in the future? Apparently. I mean, if he says he never sees houses like that. And I, it's against the law to walk around? <laughs> this girl better be careful. The uncle was arrested. What does that mean? He was arrested for being a pedestrian. Yeah, for walking around. Just walking right? around. But Montag walked from the train station. Maybe not walking with purpose. Montag's the kind of guy, he gets on that escalator, whisks him up, gets on the sidewalk, in the house, nice and orderly, right? Yeah. Maybe society looks down on people stopping to smell the roses. Huh, that's sad. That is dystopian. Yeah. But what do you talk about? She laughed at this. Good night. She started up her walk. 
Then she seemed to remember something and came back to look at him with wonder and curiosity. Are you happy, she said. Am I what? He cried. (laughs) (laughs) But she was gone, running in the moonlight. Her front door shut gently. End of passage. So what do you think of this so far? Very different type of book than To Kill a Mockingbird, but I'm enjoying it. I like that it's different because we are, I feel like with To Kill a Mockingbird, we were being slowly introduced into a world Mm -hmm. of Scout and Jam and Atticus Finch. Here, I feel like we have just been pushed into the deep end. And now it's like, we are in this weird world. We're not in Kansas anymore, the old cliche. (laughs) This is really weird. And Clarice is kind of our... Our hero or no, wait. She's like at least our gateway. She's the one we can most identify with. Definitely. I totally identify with her. And it's good (laughs) to get to know Montag. He seems complicated. He seems like a complicated man. I mean... Yeah, he's or would you say he's simple? He might be simple. I mean, it's surprising that he would be one of these firemen that are like put on pedestals in this dystopian future. He could so easily be persuaded to look up at the moon or start thinking. Like it seems Mm, like you know, instead of getting angry at her, I mean, he did get angry at her, but like instead of, I'm sure another fireman probably would have had her arrested or something for thinking too much. Oh, interesting. Walking around at night. You just made me think of something. You said where these firemen are put on pedestals. Now, Clarice is like, you know, a lot of people are afraid of you guys. What? Why? I don't know. Maybe because you go around burning books, (laughs) right? Destroying houses. It's it's, kind of like you have his way, Montague's way of thinking, which is, I am hot shit. I am a fireman. Yeah. Everyone loves me. I'm taking the. I'm taking away your freedom of knowledge. <laughs> and Clarice is like, uh, got news for you. Like, people are kind of weirded out by you guys. Totally. That's just interesting. I wonder where it's going to go. I mean, he's interested in, in Clarice and her questions. So I kind of get the idea that something might change him yeah it's time for ppp problematic points to ponder what if anything would be considered banworthy in this chapter what do you think is banworthy in this if anything oh gosh nothing i nothing had, at all. i mean it's just just the first part of the book though i mean there's got to be some meaty stuff in there i don't remember the exact chapter in to kill a mockingbird but it might have been chapter six before mm-hmm. the n-word was used and before yeah. we actually had an inkling of oh that came out of nowhere. Totally. From Ben Worthy to Binge Worthy. And now we go from something totally not Ben Worthy to something really super binge worthy. It is our friends over at Hesse and Maven. Hi, I'm Justin. And I'm Raven. And, and we're, we're Hesse and Maven. Maven. We're siblings who do a podcast. And every episode we talk about something else. One episode might be about our favorite Disney songs or Pokemon or queer icons. Another episode could be about monsters or books or food. We may not always see eye to eye. Yeah, but... I mean, I've seen you drink milk, like straight milk out of a glass. Raven, that's not in the script. We're trying I know, to but promote they, the show. They need to know. Oh, oh, okay, whatever. Um. Check out Hesse and Maven wherever you find your podcasts and on YouTube. That is a fun show. Make sure you check them out. All right. Well, good job, Jennifer. That will do it for this episode of Bandcamp Season 2. 
this is going to be a fun book. I can already tell. I can already tell the mood is different. The uh, It's crazy doing a science fiction dystopian future story after the very simple Maycomb County story. I know. This small little town of Maycomb has yeah. been left far behind. <laughs> but I'm loving it so far. So if you guys are getting anything out of this podcast, please share it with someone who might get something out of it. And Jen, another great job reading. Thanks, Dan. And we look forward to uh, reading again next time. See you later. Bye, everyone.